Hi, this is Charlene from CC Gardens. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches. He's gone deaf from 20 years of answering gardening questions. And she. Uh, here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, go with land, will. Good planets are. Well, we're just trying to hear what's going on in this big old <laughs> auditorium here, which is called The Max in McCook, Illinois. And I'm just noticing here, Peggy, that uh, just as we're going on the air, I got kicked off uh, the Internet from The Max Wireless here. Oh, lovely. So, But I'm not going to try to get on your phone. We've got, we've got hotspots. <laughs> we've got uh, iPhones. We've got uh, whatever we need to, to be on the air. Ben, are you, are, are you with us there uh, in the studio? Can you say hi? I'm live. Hello. Yay. Hey, and he's making this all happen. Uh, are we are we coming in nice and clean there? I you hope sound Mr. Ben? beauteous like you're right here. Uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you for your help. Uh, uh, ben Boquist there at uh, WCGO Studios there in Evanston. We're in McCook and uh, we're very happy to be here at the 25th annual Midwest Pond and Koi Society Koi Show and Trade Show, and uh, the Max Wireless is just not going to connect here. It's just it's just trying, so uh, I'm not going to worry about it. I'll go I'll go to this other connection and see if it happens. We're talking fish today. Come on, yay! Let's let's hear it for fish. All right, give us a wait. I'll get a ding in there. Wait, if I can get the the thing. There we go. <laughs> uh, and a couple of guys uh, from the society are sitting here with us, and you. And you can, and as Ron Cowgill said, you can hear the noise in the background, all the announcements. That's actually not for this show. This is for other things going on. I actually, would... no. What's going on and what you're hearing is uh, a, a seminar on uh, koi quality in the next court. Ah. That's three of our judges. Okay. Uh, and that's Bob Passavoy, who's president of the MPKS. Good morning, Bob. Uh, Good morning, Peggy. And he's on Peggy's right and on my left is uh, Ed Buck, who's vice president. Hey, good morning, guys. We're surrounded by the executive committee here. You're very afraid. We're surrounded, literally. Yeah. Not not only the executive committee, but um, w- the uh, mad scientist on our right. If, <laughs> one of the things you got to know about this is the center of the room is roped off, and that's where all the vats are with the koi in them. We were told that they're called vats. There's, what do you... Is that... Yeah? Okay. That is correct. absolutely correct. That, correct. I, I, it just seems a little... I don't know, unbecoming for the fish. It's like it but, should be a pond. Yeah, that's what it's, it's like. Uh, we couldn't quite get 40,000 gallons all in one place, so we had to sort of split it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how many koi can go in each vat? Uh, well, it depends on their size. What we have is a very complex loading formula that's based upon the amount of ammonia that each fish of each size generates in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And if you've got oh about four hours, I can explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and and we were just talking to uh, Ron Cowgill of Mighty House. Uh, you know, I, I got to talking about the chlorine and chloramine and ammonia, and these are all things that you guys have to deal with every day with every your fish. minute, every minute. And and of course, you we came in here and you were there adjusting the uh, the water, the chemicals in the water, just <laughs> to make sure the fish get through the next two days. Damn. Yep. Absolutely right. <laughs> Absolutely right. It's a, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, supposedly, these fish are fasted for four days, uh, but the actual compliance from fish to fish and pond to pond varies. Mm-hmm. 
So as you wander around, you'll notice uh, some of these vats will have some green stuff on the bottom. Okay. Uh -huh. And that tells us, well, they may not have gotten fed, but there was algae for them. Uh -huh. so, and so they brought it with them and have given it to us. So how many fish are in this room right now? Uh, well, not counting the vendors, we're close to 200, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think right? uh, we're, we're very close to 200, maybe more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's 200 that are being judged? That, are, that is correct. That are in the show. Okay, so, so all the fish that you see in the vats that are not part of the vendors are being judged here today. And right. I saw, were the judges the ones in the, uh, the blue, blue blazers? Uh, very cool. It's like very, uh, I don't know, official. It seemed yeah, very normally official. Normally a show of this size would have perhaps three or four judges. Wow. Uh, what uh, is special about uh, our 25th anniversary is we're hosting the annual judges seminar. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, Judges Association does that every year and concentrates on one particular uh, part mm -hmm. of uh, judging a koi. All right. Well, we're going to get back to that. That's uh, Bob Passavoy, Ed Buck uh, are here from the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. We got much more time to talk about koi and whether you should have them in your backyard in your pond. But I want to talk about how I was blown away by seeing firsthand what a naturally maintained public lawn can look like. And I did that a couple of weeks ago at the Skokie Public Library. I got a chance to see the Village Green outside of the municipal buildings. It's maintained by our great sponsor, Logic Lawn Care, and it's beautiful and safe. And you wouldn't think twice about letting your kids roll in it. Well, except if they're wearing khakis. Okay. So the next time someone tells you that you need chemicals to have a good-looking lawn, they're not telling the truth. All right? Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll have a head start on the season. Peggy and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMille. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. Yeah, let me go wild with Koi. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what this is all about here. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. As you just heard, Rick DeMaio will be with us later today. But in the meantime, we are talking koi at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society 25th Annual Koi Show and Trade Show at the Max in McCook. See, I got, I've got all this down now. Uh -huh. You know, It's a shame that uh, after today I, w I, I won't have to say any of this again. Not, 
wait oh wait a second oh, let me bring you up sorry that's me go. that's me there we go next year next year okay i'll have this cool. the, the patter all all down um Are we talking koi again just not and with us uh, right here are uh, the uh, mad scientist himself, uh, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob Passavoy, who's been on my show uh, many times uh, in the past. Uh, and, and every time I move to a new place, uh, you follow, and that, that's great. Just like a little lost puppy. That's right. <laughs> uh, but you should see him out in the middle. When he, uh, One of the things I was going to say earlier is that you have these ropes where everything's roped off in the middle there. And uh, not are the, only are there koi in the vats, but you got these tables with the chemicals. And that's where Dr. Bob is. And he's got his test tubes, and he's got his chemicals. It's terrific. And you've even <laughs> got a sign, you know, do not disturb the mad scientist. It's like, leave the guy alone and let me have my potato chips there. Cause I said, uh, more along the lines is that I get easily distracted. Yeah. And a lot of what I do involves counting drops into tubes. Oh. The sign says, do not speak to the geek. <laughs> and what are, those, what are those drops you're counting? A uh, combination of things. First is there, well, all of this has to do with making sure that the fish never see a molecule of ammonia in the vat with them. Not a molecule of ammonia. Not because a molecule. that's 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 death that's to us, to uh, death well, to a koi. To Smoochie or whatever that movie was. Nemo. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But, all right. And, and what we're doing is basically adding a chemical that binds the ammonia, keeps it away from the fish. Yeah. And we want at least, an, at least a part per million of coverage so mm -hmm. the ammonia gets sucked up as the fish make it and never touches the fish. But the, but the fish produce ammonia. That's their main waste product. So that's interesting. You've got to remove the ammonia so that the fish can produce. So it's basically you don't want the fish swimming in the stuff they produce. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and also, more importantly, we need to assure all our members who are coming here with fish to show that these fish will be kept safe and sound for the days they're here and that, um, you know, they'll, they'll go home as healthy as they arrived. Uh -huh. And that, that's really important. So, you know, well, we, yeah, no, and, and that's a really good point. And that's Ed Buck, by the way, vice president of the MPKS. That's a really good point. If you've got these fish that you've been raising and you love and and you cherish them, you're taking a real risk in bringing them, taking them out of their element, transporting them. I mean, anybody's ever tried to transport a dog or a cat to the vet knows what we're talking about here. But it's it's also with fish. They've, they're out of their element. They're out of their environment. And right. And and you know the the other thing is showing showing fish is a public service. It's, there's a competitive element here where people are going to win trophies and have a grand champion crowned at the end of the day. But what is really happening is people are showing the beauty of these fish that are literally living art in water. And, and so by bringing them, we, get, we let the rest of the world see the beauty and the patterns of these fish. And it's, it's a really terrific thing. And whether you're, whether you're a hobbyist or not, just to come and observe it is just an absolutely amazing, wonderful thing to do. That you know that this club is created now. We're proud in our 25th year that we have a legacy of continuing to do this, and we have some of the best minds in the Midwest that understand true koi husbandry, and Bob being among one of them, who who deals with the water quality. There are many aspects to this, and and as you said before, we have our judges here that are national meeting. These guys have taken time to go to class and mm -hmm. study meticulously the art of understanding the detail of, of koi and, and um, all the aspects of, of their beauty. So uh, you're talking about judges. What are they looking for? What, what makes a prize-winning koi? Well, they, they judge in many. One, one thing they do, and Bob, you could chime in on this, they, they first look at, at certain aspects of the fish. Like they'll look for certain color detail. Mm -hmm. and, and then they'll come back and they'll look at the overall confirmation of the fish yeah. and uh, the scales, the fins, everything about it, the head, what it, um, how it appears. And then, they, and then there's a dialectic process among them where they talk that over and, and come to a conclusion on their findings. Yeah, the theme for this particular seminar, uh, which is held every year, and it's a training program for every active judge that mm -hmm. can get here, uh, is quality. And uh, quality in this uh, sense individually is skin mm -hmm. and scalation 
and confirmation and color. As I was uh, walking yeah. down the hall there, uh, I saw the scalation seminar going yeah. on. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit on the, when you were on the show last week. Sure. Um, what are these various things? Scalation, skin, okay, obviously uh, color. People know what color is. But what makes good color on a koi? Ed, you want that one? Well, it, it's, it's measured in a couple of ways. Um, you know, the way I'd say to the audience is it's analogous to if you go to a dog show, you know that there are all dogs there. But you can distinguish which one is a collie and which one is a mm -hmm. Dalmatian. Right. We have fish here that are known as... Sanke, Kohaku, um, Gesundheit. <laughs> God bless you. Sorry. No points for difficulty on that one. Yeah. did not <laughs> say no, sushi. You know? <laughs> but, but all those fish have a, a they're colored mm -hmm. purposefully to, to that, that species. Okay. And so what the judges look for is the depth of that col color, the consistency of pattern, the borders of the pattern from color to color, mm -hmm. and how consistent it is. Um, and, and, and the size, um, the girth of the fish, the length of the fish. But you don't have, uh, you don't really have control over the color. It's, it's, that's the fish you got when. Not true. Really? Yeah, not true. Not true okay, at all. Okay, so explain that. How, okay. how do you control the color of a fish? Uh, mostly nutrition and superb water quality. Oh, okay. Okay, because you can well, have... Well, th that would be like, it, it's not going to control with the margins of the color, but like the brightness and the mm -hmm. texture. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So you start with the genetics of the fish, okay? And so whatever color that fish is going to have is going to be whichever variety of uh, Ciprino carpa, you know, carpi that you have. Mm -hmm. So... Beyond that, it's the responsibility of the koi keeper to give the fish the proper nutrition, to give it the proper growing space, to give it water that is pristine, uh, and to give it an environment that's relatively free of parasites and uh, damaging chemicals. And all of that contributes to the color of the fish. So Again, a, a, another analogy of that is uh, our world is air. If something mm -hmm. happens to the okay. world of air, we're affected. Their world is water. And so we, you know, we say in, in the hobby, water is everything. Um, water is everything because that's where they live. And so fresh water, when we do a water change in our pond, is, is like opening a window in your house and letting fresh air in. And fish react to it. In our ponds, when fresh water comes in, they swim to that place where fresh water is mm -hmm. arriving. They know it. Um, they tell everything that happens to water. If a, if a pH would, would drop or increase, fish will react to that because mm -hmm. they feel it. So here it's a very climate-controlled situation when you're in the vat. What about someone's backyard pond with koi? As far as coloration and climate control. She's saying that here, you know, in, in, you have a lot of control indoors, but outdoors there's not as much control, is there? No, there's not. And, and sometimes color can be affected. Um, but but understand, you know, it, it, uh, the, the colors hold true, but the fish also at the same time will change in color. So sometimes color will variate over the life of a fish. Mm -hmm. I have some fish in my pond that are double. I have a couple of fish that are 26 years old. Wow. They don't look like they looked 26 years ago, nor do I. Um, <laughs> well, uh, okay, there's a <laughs> yeah, Yeah, dogs and cats get gray. What happens to fish? Yeah, what happens to fish? Color will will fade or change. Uh, sometimes new color, like on a on a fish that is red and white, sometimes they'll develop um, spots we call shimmies that are that are darker, and um, and so they'll change in appearance, mm -hmm. um, it, like we change in appearance. Well, well, first of all, how old does a koi get to be? Oh God! All <laughs> right, this is this is actually fun. One of my all-time favorite judges, who is here today, by the way, okay. part of our judging seminar, Charles Phelps was asked exactly that question okay. uh, by a hobbyist. Now, Charles is from Louisville, and he talks like Louisville, Louisvillean. Louisville. 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 Okay. And he rears back. You know, he, he does not just talk. He rears back. And he got asked this question. He sort of reared back. said, hmm, how long do they live? Until hmm. we kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and in a backyard pond situation, that is absolutely true. Really? So they can absolutely. live a, a good they, long time. There are records, questionable records, about a red carp or koi living 215 years. 
Are you serious? Now, the apocryphal, I imagine, the, those stories. Uh, it's, we think it's documented. It's probably apocryphal, yeah. especially when you consider that the fish in question apparently lived in a family pond near Hiroshima. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was my feeling. So, yeah, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, I, they did not say whether that fish glowed in the dark. Yeah. Well, they have the bright colors, so that's, that's one of the things going on. By the way, that's uh, Bob Passavoy, Dr. Bob Passavoy, who's president of the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. Um, and we have Ed Buck, who's the uh, vice. What? Oh, yeah, I would turn you. It's right here. You can uh, okay. hit that switch. If yeah, it's the uh, red carp Hanako, said to be 226 years old in 1977. I'll be darned. Yep. Yep. So your fish will outlive you. you they know, are just, called just forever. Put pets. them in your will. Uh, just like your parrot, uh, or something like that. As, as they're they're not as noisy as parrots. Uh huh. But now, they uh, and they are, at least here, freshwater fish, right? Absolutely. Are Absolutely. there saltwater versions of the of koi? Well, you know, I would say not really. However, like anything else in nature, things can defy what you believe. I was in Hawaii once and visited, I was on a pond tour there, and visited a hobbyist who kept koi in brackish water and did it successfully, and I was amazed at that. Huh. Um, you know, so, who knows? Well, um, yeah. The other thing I want to say uh, is, uh, about hobbyists is a lot of us, at the root of this, we're into koi pretty much now, but we started out as water gardeners. And I think something that's really important for listeners to know that that when you get into the hobby of ponding, a lot of other things happen. Like I have a collection of conifers. Many of our people are flower people, and they decorate around the ponds. So it creates a whole chain reaction of creating a green environment that is really significant, that blends with the hobby and the pond and the koi. And let's not forget that koi ponds exist around Japanese gardens. Right. And, and so... Most of our, a lot of our hobbyists have become very, very tuned into that. We have a great deal of bonsai people in the hobby that decorate the sides of their pond with bonsai. I got to get you hooked up with uh, Dan Costa, who's a regular listener to my show, works at Vern Gore's uh, greenhouse in Hinsdale. He's a bonsai guy. And uh, I know he has a tiny little pond. I don't think, I'm trying to remember. He, it I don't doesn't think he, matter if you have yeah. put water, fish, and plants in the same venue outdoors, mm -hmm. you're as subject to the three laws of ponding as anybody else. You're right. a ponder. There you go. And, <laughs> and you know, and that's that's the connection here is, you know, to, to our show is, is the idea that folks want to grow stuff and they want to nurture things. And this is one way to, to bring various elements together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm fascinated by, by the table that's next to us, CC's Garden and Pond, and they're doing uh, hoop houses. So you can do this pretty much uh, uh, all year long. Well, in this climate, you're way better off if you do. Uh, this is a very tough climate to raise koi in. Uh -huh. And uh, one of the things that uh, the Sabolskis do uh, in their business is design, erect, and take down and maintain uh, hoop houses that will get a pond through the winter hmm. with its fish intact and its filters functioning pretty much year-round. And, and with those hoop houses, you gain a zone to a zone and a half. For example, my fish, I think, are they they think they're spending their winters in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> because you get that much. So yeah. the other thing that comes with that is I can then plant zone marginal stuff that will grow inside there and thrive because it wouldn't in, in our zone because I gained that by right, having the hoop right. You told me years ago, Bob, and I've never forgotten it, uh, I said, uh, I asked you and other people have asked you, what do koi do in the winter? And you say they go to the bottom of the pond and they sulk. Uh, they sulk, uh, but if you've got a hoop house, they don't go to the bottom so and that's critical. Yeah, so that's so it's much better for mm -hmm. them. That's a that's a better, or or, or uh, heaters in the pond. Is that a good thing or not? Oh boy, uh, depends on the kind of heat. You know, the the knee jerk reaction is to go out to your friendly farm and fleet and buy a trough heater yeah. that you'd use on cattle, and any electricity in the water is a bad idea. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> Yikes! Because yeah. it shorts out, it rusts out, and then your koi get electrocuted. On the other uh, hand, or you might as well. Yeah, yeah. true. Or they die because the power goes out. Absolutely. 
On the other hand, there are pond heaters, very elaborate things, countercurrent flow heaters mm -hmm. that work very, very well indeed, but are expensive. But so like the hoop house is actually a better choice. Well, we do both it's at a the great same choice. time. Yeah. Hoop house is probably the most economical. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to need to get the uh, uh, Mr. Klobeck over He's here. right here. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'll tell you what, um, Ed, stick around for just a second. We're going to hand the mic over uh, to uh, Myron. Uh, but when we come back, I want you to tell us a little bit about the organization. Just give us a sort of a rundown, then we'll, we'll talk to Myron about his okay. stuff, okay? You're listening to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are live at the MPKS 25th anniversary show at the Max in McCook. Stop by uh, the address. I think I had it here. Yeah, it's 4750 South Vernon Avenue in McCook. So uh, we will be right back with more. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycled product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st century hair care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. All right. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're at the Max in McCook, Illinois, the MPKS show. Uh, when we get to the month of July, I usually have one question, which is, is it over yet? But I'm just talking about that holiday, oh, you know, yeah. the one that makes me hide under the couch with my cat until the neighbors run out of matches. Uh, here's another July question. Do you have your July-August copy of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine yet? If you had a subscription, that baby would be in your soil-stained little hands right now. And you would be reading great articles, looking at inspiring photos, getting great gardening tips, and learning about events all over Chicagoland. You'd also have a chance to read my column on the inside back page, which also might make you hide under the couch. Uh -oh. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state -state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. Welcome back to uh, the Max, and we hope you'll come out if, if you have any interest in putting a pond in your yard. As we talked about, just takes a, a little water, some plants, mm -hmm. some koi. Um, Ed Buck is still here. He's the vice president of the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. Before we let you go, Ed, I, I just wanted to talk about what's it, what are the advantages of being a member of the MPKS? You do this event. You do. Other, you got a. You got a, a tour coming up. Yeah, we have uh, 
every year. To me, I, I think our Pond Tour is our crown jewel um, event. And it's, it, it happens um, this summer, um, the weekend of July 22nd, 23rd, and then again July 29th and 30th. All over the Chicagoland area, people visit ponds. They go, people open their backyards. And it, it's a time where you get to see and talk. You can look at how people did ponds, um, what their advice is if you're starting out. Uh, new, newcomers are welcome, people that never have done it before. Um, they visit the yard, they see the gardens and the fish, and, and to experience what it's like to create an environment like this in your yard. And, it, and it's not that difficult. I mean, there are people who go nuts, and they, they, they have huge things, but there are people who have very small ponds and small yards, and, and, it, and it's still a sense of, of solace for these people. It's very soothing to have this, isn't it? That's absolutely correct. Um, in, in my yard, for example, I have a simple small pond that I show people that, that is about 3,000 gallons of water, and it, it just operates very simply. And then I have another one that's about 12,000 gallons that has some really pedigree koi in it, and I have a, a water garden with lily and lotuses. <laughs> you see, I uh, thought he was going to tell me how simple his operation, and he says, well, I've got 47 uh, pods in my backyard, and uh, I, I just show uh, the, mm -hmm. the ones that the people want to see. Well, when something's a passion, it, it, it is always work, but it is always you're, you're working to relax. So that's where the simplicity is. And, um, and, and I think the benefits of being in a club is that you create a community of people who can commiserate, come together, have in common this passion we have for this wonderful hobby and making a contribution to green space. Mm -hmm. Well, if folks want to get involved, they just go to mpks.org. Correct. It's that simple. And as you said, there are, there are walks coming up if you want to see what other folks are doing, like Ed, like Ed Buck. Yep. You can you can get a look and, and ask questions, and that's part of the thing. The ponders are there, and they will answer and just, your questions. just tweeted the link to the pond tour dates and schedule. Yes. She's, and she's our, our tweeting machine here. You're fast. <laughs> she is good. She's really good at that. I'm, I'm always amazed. Um, so. Yes, you can do that, and, and um, a lot of garden centers and everything have our pond tour maps and books that you can obtain there to come on the pond tour. And there's still this time to come out here today to McCook and see the show. Please come in. It's no charge. Open and, and to everybody. tomorrow as well. Tomorrow as well. And you got the big banquet tonight and some awards, right? Correct. This is our 25th anniversary. We were very proud of it. We're one of the few clubs in the United States. There are a couple others that have two and a half decades um, of, of this kind of history. Um, we're very proud of it. Well, thank you so much, Ed Buck. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you. I'm wishing you the best on the rest of the show. Thank you very much. All right. Let's uh, turn our attention to Peggy's right now and uh, bring in uh, Myron. Now, I want to make sure I'm, I'm pronouncing your uh, last name correctly. Klobeck? Klobeck, yes. Klobeck, okay. Pull that microphone right up to you. There right. you go. Um, and you're out of Amana, Iowa, Klobeck uh, Koi Farm. I, I, I went online to, to see what you guys did, and the story is, is pretty remarkable. For First of all, you're, you're, you just got a Century Farm Award in Iowa, so the farm's been there for over 100 years now, right? Yeah, correct, yes. That's fabulous, yes. but yeah. it's not your typical farm. No, it's not. No, not <laughs> you, the Iowa farm. Yeah, no. no it's, when you think of an Iowa farm, you're thinking of corn and soybeans and, and, and maybe uh, livestock. Yes. Uh, you have livestock, but... It's a different, it's koi it's livestock. Swimming livestock. Swimming yes. livestock. Yes. Yep. There you go. Yep. Um, from your site, it says you have more than 55 mud ponds on an 80 acre farm, and it's terraced into the hills so that the melting snows add water to the ponds. I mean, this, this sounds pretty remarkable. How did this come about? Well, it started as a hobby, really, in like 1976 with my dad. We used to do like game fish. Um, we actually farmed corn, soybeans. We were a farm family, and that's part of that century farm. You know, we've always been a farm family. Yeah. So in 76, um, uh, my dad wanted to stock his pond, one of the farm ponds. We didn't have any hatcheries or anything like that. Just wanted to stock uh, fish. Just, just one yeah. pond. Yeah, one uh, pond to yeah. fish. And uh, he, you know, it was a passion of his. And... Uh, um, we just kind of took took that passion and kept expanding it. And then when I graduated in 81 in high school, um, I got married right out of high school, and me and Ellen started our business in the fish business. So why what what led you to do that though? I mean, just the one pond. What had you seen a after you established the one pond that made you want to do this? Well, it was we 
I, I never liked to do the fish. It was my dad's kind of thing. You know, it's a lot of hard. It was a lot of hard work. We were working the farm, you know, the corn and soybean thing. So that was more interested. And then we did, um, you know, when we got married, we had other livestock and farm, yeah. you know, corn and grain. But uh, then once we uh, started to see the hatching part of it, I got interested in that. The baby fish being developed and eggs and stuff that uh -huh. got our interest. So, so how do how do you make? Uh, I'm I'm looking here. It says that. Excellent clay is vital to the development of koi. So these ponds are clay ponds? Are they lined at all? They're mud ponds. Our farm covers um, about 60 water acres. So out of those 56 ponds, we have 80 acres of land and 60 mm -hmm. acres of water. And when we hatched the little babies, we put the little babies out in the mud ponds. Oh. And and that, okay, that explain what a mud colors. pond is. A mud pond is a typical pond like you would see for game fish, like if mm -hmm. you're a driving down the road and seeing a farmer had a pond or an acreage that had a pond. It has a mud bottom. Oh, okay. okay. And it's dug out of earth with an excavator or a bulldozer. Just, you know, earthen pond. And how well... A little closer. Okay. And how, does, how well does that hold water? Uh, pretty well. As long as you have a good clay base. That's, you know, uh -huh. that's uh, pretty typical. Iowa has good clay. There yeah. are some areas that are sandy that you wouldn't want to build a pond in, so you really mm -hmm. need to check with your soil conservation. And so. one of the things I was reading about your farm is that it's very similar in, in clay and, and climate to Japan. Yeah, it is. I'm kind of on that same, same who, line. Who knew? So, you so, know, yeah. Iowa yes. and Japan. Yeah, good yeah. Cold, cold climate. Yep. But even uh -huh. the clay. So, yep, similar. Yes, yep. There's different types of clay, but again, very similar. Yes. So how does one pond develop into 55 and being... Uh, are there other... Uh, outfits like yours uh, in the country, and how many are there? Um, aquaculture is a kind of a small niche type of market. There's yeah. a lot of farms in the south that produce catfish and bass and bluegill for food consumption. But as far as a koi farm, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're one of the largest in the country. Uh huh. Um, have one of the highest quality fish in the country, and um, really, you know, it's our you know it's our goal to make a the best fish in the country. I mean, there's two other farms that really are our main competition, but really in the whole U.S. <laughs> and where are they? Uh, South Carolina, one in Florida. So, now, now yeah. b being in Iowa, it sounds like you might have a slight advantage if, if the conditions are more like they are in Japan. They are. It does make a difference on where the fish and the bloodlines have grown up, like mm -hmm. our broodstock. You want to keep outdoors to give them that cold winter hardiness that really helps the fish. Um, and their ability to, you know, make it through an Iowa winter or an Illinois winter, that yeah. really does make a difference. So, What's your worst nightmare? You know, what are the things you look out for uh, in, in a weather? I mean, if, is it a hot summer? Is it a cold spring? What is, what's not good for the fish? Well, there's several things that are not good for the fish and a lot of things that are, you know, mm -hmm. better, of course. Um, but flooding, you know, you're always looking for flooding. A lot of our mud ponds catch the flood waters or catch a valley. That Does that mean flood. the fish will float out can, of the ponds? Can wash out. I mean, we deal with that pretty, pretty sufficient right now. But uh, how, how do you stop that, that from happening? Uh, do you have nets or screens or? Yeah, screened overflows and things like that. Uh -huh. We just kind of reservoirs to protect that valley to flood but uh -huh. other than that um, it can be extreme cold you know we can get 30 inches of ice on our ponds so there's a lot of ice you have wow. to keep aeration in your pond similar like you would a garden pond but in a bigger bigger scale anyway wow yeah so, so uh, do all the ponds have aeration then all our ponds have electricity and aeration to them yes and now we're growing some fish indoors. So we have some, when you grow fish outdoors, you have a lot of predator problems. So we've invested in a large indoor mm -hmm. facility that okay. uh, we can grow the, the fish indoors now. So. And I was reading how, how much care you take to make sure no water from any pond contaminates another one. Everything's sterile. Every... It's not really sterile. We, we do our best to you know, cross contaminants mm -hmm. you can't do. Um, our fish are, you, you really need to start out with, if you're a fish farmer, a good sound breeding program. Uh, it can be very expensive. You know, some of our bloodlines are $10,000 or more fish. Okay. Um, and then really create your own brood stock. We do a lot of that. So uh, um, before we go, because uh, we're, we're running out of time okay. here uh, now, Ed is still here because he wants one of those T-shirts you've oh, got okay. there. He's got the coolest... <laughs> A uh, koi T-shirt. Uh, uh, where did that come from? Oh, I, 
honestly don't know. <laughs> Ed, you got, I'm not the you got, Ed, you got, that means I'm not going to get one. Ellen, you got, so. I, I think that was, Ellen's that laughing. was a special one. That was yeah. the That's Ellen Klubeck over there yeah. laughing. Oh, okay. You got to tell us where, uh, Oh, where, where's we'll Ellen? Get Ellen. One. Okay. We'll have to find one. We'll find yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if folks want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Um, we have our website. It's clobeckcoy.com, or our phone number is 319-846-2077. And I just want to say, you know, this is a great venue. It's a, a great place to come. You know, they're great people. Um, and, uh, you know, we love to meet the people come in. They, we see their fish. When we sell them fish, we see the fish next year, or they tell us the stories about it. So... Um, we can. Uh, uh, we'd like to have you come out to this venue. It's just great. We need more people involved, and the young kids need to be involved in a lot of, you know, a lot of this. They'd have a lot of fun. Before we, what were you going to say? How do you spell Quebec for those who don't know? Yes. Did I spell it wrong? I probably did. It's K L O U B E C. There you go. K L O U B E C. Quebec Toy. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Milliken. We'll be right back. Chicago Gardeners, I bear glad tidings. The deadline to enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has been extended to July 7th. It's free and open to residents of the city of Chicago and is presented by the Mike Novak Show, Illinois Extension, the Shedd Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and Natural Awakenings Chicago, with assistance from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The awards provide recognition to the hard work and creativity that make our city a healthier, more beautiful place. Place. They support the pride we take in our neighborhoods and help us build our communities. Garden types include ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens. You can enter your small and large buildings, schools, and other organizations. There's even a category for community gardens. You have until July 7th to enter. Go to Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards on Facebook or click on the Chicago Gardening Awards tab at MikeNovak.net for more information. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contractor. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Hey, it's not hot today, but we've had a few of those this year and there's more to come. But if you had Logic Lawn Care taking care of your lawn, you would not be panicking at all. That's because they'd be telling you that it isn't about how often you water, it's about how well you water. And the key is deeply, but infrequently. The folks at Logic Lawn Care are all about making thoughtful choices that will give you a beautiful, healthy lawn that's also in tune with nature. Find out for yourself. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500, 847-421-6500. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. If you hear a little uh, ambiance here, that is because we are in McCook, Illinois, at The Max. They call it The, the Max. Max. The Max. The Max. There we go. And uh, the Max. it is uh, for the Midwest Pond and Koi Society's 25th annual Koi Show and Trade Show. Lots of folks in here. We're happy to have people stopping by uh, the, uh, the uh, table here where we're doing our broadcast. And uh, on the phone line... Scheduled as usual. Did you did you want to grab that? Were you you were going to, you want to mention this? No, yes. I was going to have you mention it. Okay, let's mention it right away, and we'll talk about it more tomorrow. The uh, we've been talking on the uh, on the show about the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. They just got extended. If you were thinking, oh man, I wanted to enter my garden in that awards program, and I forgot. No, you didn't. You've got till July seventh. We've extended it for a couple of weeks. 
And uh, you can go to uh, my website, MikeNovak.net. Click on Garden Awards at the top of the page. You will see the information. I think we also have a logo there on the on the page where you can mm -hmm. click onto it. Uh, we've we've we're extending the deadline to get your gardens. And if you got a pond and you got koi, you might want to do you might want to do that as well. We've got these handouts. We should get them to the folks here, mm -hmm. um, especially if they live in Chicago. So uh, July seventh uh, and uh, judging. Uh, we'll begin after that, but uh, we hope you will get involved in that. And now to the phone and meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Mr. DeMaio. Yeah, good morning, Mike and Peg. I just got back from the um, farmer's market in downtown Evanston. Got a chance to talk to a lot of the uh, farmers and garden growers and all those sorts of people that kind of bring their backyards to our kitchens. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always interesting right. when I... Walk around, yeah. I always, I always like going local, Peg, and I always like to ask them, "How has the weather been? How are the conditions been? What's the soil like?" And uh, so far, the jury is in, Mike and Peg. Uh, the rainfall that we've been getting across the Midwest very beneficial uh, to strawberries, very beneficial to raspberries. Um, a little bit on the overly wet side for cherries, but they're still doing pretty well. Uh, and several. Um, several bouts of late-season cold kind of took the life out of some of the uh, apple trees. So we may not get the abundance of apples uh, this coming fall that we were hoping for. But, you know, bottom line, this, is, this has been a good growing season. Sufficient amount of rainfall and sufficient amount of, you know, dry, sunny, warm days kind of interspersed. And now we're into a dry pattern as well. It could be a little bit warmer, but as long as the sun is out and the atmosphere is drying the soil out, I think they're doing okay. I think you're right. I think that the this weather is just lovely. In fact, I, I kind of like like uh, going out in the yard and not being blasted by the heat. Um, right. But and but it's been great to get some rain uh, after we had a dry little dry period. And, and so right. you're saying we're going into a, a another slightly dry period, eh? Yeah, slightly dry. Um, you know, from the standpoint of what you typically get rainfall this time of year, you can you know easily get an inch of rain in an hour with a thunderstorm, which is what we got around here. Um, Thursday night into Friday. Uh, but even though it's sunny now, there's a lot of cumulus clouds building in the atmosphere, very cold in the upper levels. It's been interesting because we've had these, these periods of very, very warm weather and then interspersed by, you know, some periods of very cool weather. Um, and again, Illinois is kind of right on the cusp of that. I mean, overnight lows this morning dropped down, you know, into the upper 50s here. Um, and in the mid to upper 40s across upper, you know, upper um, or state northern areas of Wisconsin and also Minnesota. So, so the, the drying that we're going to have over the next probably six days uh, is going to be accompanied by very cool temperatures as well. Sometimes it doesn't dry out the soil as much. Uh, but nonetheless, anything you got in the ground, whether it's, you know, vegetables or your perennials or your annuals, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well. You know, I, I have to agree. I don't know about you, Peggy, but uh, the stuff in my yard is just mm -hmm. rocking. It's just yeah. I've got tomatoes uh, forming. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, my I, kale's going crazy. The kale and uh, my beets and my potatoes. Everything is growing rather nicely. Even even we still have uh, some snap peas that are that are growing, and uh, yeah. our bean plant is uh, uh, bean plants. Plant? Is plant we have one well actually we have we have seedlings coming up what we found a volunteer bean plant and we nurtured it and it's doing great uh the others are way behind so the so i say bean plant we have one you know one of the things i did you were talking about uh, the good uh, fruit producing uh season rick uh i went and you don't know this peggy because i didn't tell you i went to uh the pie patch this week okay uh, which is uh, on the south side of Chicago in the back of the yards That's neighborhood. Brianne Heath. Brianne Heath, uh, who gets a ding, because uh, she is the proprietor of it. And we went picking. Uh, it's a pick-your-own place mm -hmm. in the city of Chicago. And nice. we picked the strawberries and raspberries. And uh, the strawberries and raspberries, oh, my goodness, are they wonderful. Yeah. And, they're I, or, and they're organic. Yeah. You I know? have some from a Michigan farm. I got it at the uh, Ravinia Farmer's Market this week. They are so good this year. So I think... All in all, in this area, we've mm -hmm. been pretty good. But I, I keep hearing from my friends uh, and relatives in Arizona about how nasty it is oh. over there, Rick. Yeah, and, and you know, I know we, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how hot it can get. You know, yeah, Phoenix got up to 119. Their all-time high is 122. I think they had, 
you know, four consecutive days where the temperature topped out at 115 degrees. And what's interesting to note is not only are these, you know, record high temperatures, but the number of hours that they've been above 110 and the number of hours that they've been above 100 uh, is also breaking records. So, you know, you'll sometimes hear, you know, a weathercaster or someone on the Weather Channel say, or the national news, that they, they hit 119. But if you look at how long they've been above that, that number of 100 or 110, can you imagine the amount of electricity that you have to provide? Now I think Phoenix is the fifth yeah. largest metropolitan area in the United States. And then you got to burn a yeah. lot of coal to do that. So whenever you get into these hot patterns um, that seem to be getting, you know, more so, not so much in extreme, but but the length of time um, over large urban areas, the amount of energy that you have to create to keep people comfortable uh, continues to go up. And then what did we have just this past week with Scott Pruitt basically going into the EPA? I think we talked about this last week, but there was another round of cuts literally telling scientists who are in the Office of Research and Technology, we no longer need you to explore renewable energy and photovoltaic cells. That's absurd. I, it, 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 just, it just continues to happen week after week, Mike and Peg. It's very disturbing. Well, what I want you to do some point, Rick, uh, carve out a Sunday where you can come into the studio and we'll talk about some of what's going on in in uh, Washington and, and and in the state because uh, we're going to be talking about some of that tomorrow mm -hmm. about uh, energy programs and maybe being cut. And but, probably uh, the Great Lakes next weekend. But you got about 30 seconds for a forecast here, so let's do that. Yeah, and my, by the way, next week I'll definitely come in and, and be with you guys because two days after that I'm off to Iceland, so a lot to talk about. Okay. Uh, all right, well, all right, cool. We'll, we'll you schedule. now have 20 seconds. All right, you're, <laughs> know, you're on for Sunday. Believe it or not, I know how to do this part, guys. Uh, sunshine, mix <laughs> of clouds, the next three days, high temperature in the low 70s, no 80s until Thursday. How about them? Apple. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, and and, and any rain till Thursday? Yeah, yeah, we'll get some showers around here later on this afternoon, later on tomorrow, but generally between like 5 and 9 o'clock in the afternoon and evening. The best part of the day is this part, talking to you guys. How do you All like right. that? I suck All it right. up to you. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. We'll talk <laughs> to you right. about Iceland next week. We'll talk about it. I Sounds can't hear good. the Bye. music there, Ben, so I hope that, that it's under us. Um, and um, there we go. There it is. I want to thank everybody on the show today, uh, uh, Bob Passavoy, Ed Buck, Myron Floby. Flowback, sorry. I, I'm trying to read this. Anyway, until next week, uh, from the MPKS, go green or go home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.